Welcome to a special High Holy Day episode of 7-Minute Torah, the podcast where we explore the Torah portion together, what it meant, what it means, how it relates to our lives. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. Thanks for tuning in. Shana Tova, everyone. Happy New Year. We're celebrating Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, and this episode's a little different. Rather than going through the Torah portion for the holiday, what I've got for you is the sermon that I delivered in my congregation on Rosh Hashanah morning. It deals with Torah, of course, though not exactly with the Torah portion for this morning. It's a holiday where rabbis often feel free to take a little license and talk about other areas of Torah that they wouldn't necessarily address. However, if you do want to hear specifically about the Torah portion, or rather Torah portions, for Rosh Hashanah, I'll suggest that you check out last year's podcast, which is called Rosh Hashanah, Three Torah Portions in Seven Minutes. This sermon is about 15 minutes, so a little longer than our average episode. It's called Ayeka, Where Are You? And it's about the ways that life calls us to think deeply about our values and our choices and how they align with each other. Years ago, before GPS or cell phones or Siri, we had to use roadmaps to figure out where we were going. Remember those days? Some of my earliest memories involve visiting the AAA office, that's what we called CAA, south of the border, with my parents to get a map or a triptych for an upcoming road trip. I loved watching them highlight the proper route on each page. And I loved sitting in the car, staring at the map and watching the scenery tick by. On those trips, I was always trying to answer one question. Where are we? How far have we come? Where are we going next? And what's the best route to get where we're going? It's not a bad metaphor for life, right? Sometimes in our lives, we feel compelled to ask ourselves that question. Where are we? How far have we come? Where are we going next? And what's the best route to get where we're going? There is a roadmap inside each of us that helps us live our most authentic life. It helps us to figure out what we really believe and to align those beliefs to our actions. That's the work that Judaism calls cheshbon hanefesh, taking an accounting of the soul. Now, in theory, we could be doing that work all the time, always evaluating our decisions, always thoughtfully plotting our next steps. But in practice, let's be honest, life gets in the way. It's easy to go along on autopilot, to use a second driving metaphor of the morning, and to forget to ask ourselves big questions. That's why once a year, we have the High Holy Days. During these 10 days, we are called upon to do cheshbon hanefesh, to take out our roadmap, to hold it up, to ask ourselves big questions about where we've been and where we're going. On these 10 days, we have the opportunity to ask ourselves what might be the most important question of all. Hayeka, where are you? Now, the opening chapters of the Torah, the story of Adam and Eve, tell us that this is one of the first questions that was ever asked of human beings. I think most of you know the story in its broad strokes, right? God creates Adam and Eve and places them in the Garden of Eden. God tells them they're allowed to eat from any tree in the entire garden except for one. 
the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Eitz hadad tovara. So what do they do? They eat from that tree, of course. How could they not? But it's what happens next that might be most interesting. After, an Adam, and, after Adam and Eve eat from the forbidden tree, the Torah says, they heard the sound of the eternal God moving around, stomping around in the garden, and they hid among the trees. And the eternal God called out to the humans and said, Ayeka, where are you? And Adam replied, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, so I hid. Then God punishes them, banishes them from the Garden of Eden forever. Now, we usually think of this as a story about sin and shame. Adam and Eve screw up. God comes tromping through the garden and shouts out, Where are you? And the humans cower in shame and hide like bad children. I think part of the reason we read the story that way is because that's a very familiar feeling, that feeling of being in trouble, that feeling of being exposed how many of us also have things about ourselves that we are ashamed of? Things we think we need to hide because they make us bad or defective or unlovable. The psychologist Gay Hendricks writes that deep down, I'm quoting here, many of us believe we are flawed, not destined for greatness, or simply not good enough to deserve the dreams we want to achieve. We can relate to Adam and Eve because we also walk through the world with the fear that we might never be good enough. And the biblical story has been reinforcing that idea for a really long time. And so have the high holy days, telling us we need to beat our chests and fix ourselves. But what if that's not what the story's about? What if there is another way to read that ancient story? And what if this new reading has the power to transform the way we feel about ourselves the way we feel about our shortcomings, the way we feel about our place in the world. Let's rewind the story and look at it again, if you don't mind. Adam and Eve eat the fruit. They know they weren't supposed to do that. They know it was against the rules, so they hide. Then God comes through the garden demanding to know, Ayeka, where are you? So that God can punish them. But that's where the problem is, because this is God. God knows where they are. God can't be looking for them to punish them. It doesn't make sense. So there must be some other reason that God asks that question. And here we can turn to the commentators for more information. The Malbim, who's a 19th century Ukrainian commentator, teaches that Ayeka, where are you, is a spiritual question. Where are you spiritually? Where are you in terms of your, your actions and your values? In other words, hey, Adam and Eve, why did you do that? Let's talk about it. And Rashi, the 11th century French commentator who's often considered the great explainer of Torah, Rashi agrees completely. He says, Yodea haya hechanhu, God knew where Adam was. Ella likanesi mobidvarim. Rather, God asked this question in order to enter into conversation. So when we read it that way, it's a totally different story. We no longer have an angry, accusatory God bellowing at us while we cower in shame. Instead, God comes to us in the wake of a questionable action with an invitation to enter into conversation. Ayeka, where are you? What's your current mental and spiritual state? What are the reasons for the choices that you make? How do you align your actions with who you are 
and what you believe. That's our internal roadmap. It's made up of our values, the ideas and beliefs that we hold most dear. And like God in the story, sometimes life calls to us with an invitation to think deeply, to make sure that our actions and our values are aligned. Have you ever had a moment where you felt out of alignment? Have you ever taken a hard look at something you had done or something you'd been doing and said, that's not really me anymore, or I'm not really proud of that? Have you ever looked up from your desk at work and realized that what you were doing with your life just wasn't fulfilling you? Have you ever stepped back from a relationship or a friendship and, and known that you were not at your best in it? These are all different kinds of moments of, of misalignment or dissonance that we experience at various moments of our lives. Sometimes those moments of reckoning are brought on by an external event, losing a job, losing a loved one, a big birthday, a retirement, a pandemic. Sometimes they're simply the result of some internal growth that we've undergone, some book or article that shifted our thinking, some new or better understanding of ourselves that we've arrived at over time. And that dissonance, it can feel really hard. We gain a lot of security in life by, by defining ourselves around the things that we do and the things that we accomplish, our titles, our careers, our relationships, our habits. So when those things change or no longer feel right, it can feel like the ground is moving beneath our very feet. It can feel like something is wrong with us. But it really means that something is right. The Jungian analyst James Hollis teaches that these symptoms of distress, these seismic ripples, as he calls them, are, I'm quoting here, to be welcomed. For they represent not only an instinctually grounded self underneath the acquired personality, but a powerful imperative for renewal. In other words, in English, when your outside feels out of sync with your inside, it means that you're starting to get in touch with your inside. It means that you are ripe for the transformation that comes with aligning the two. By the way, Hollis refers to this as the middle passage. I'll give you a little bit of Jungian jargon. He says that at some point in our lives, almost every one of us feels called to a second adulthood. An adulthood where we focus less on proving ourselves to the world and more on living our most authentic life. We have another word for that in our culture. We call it a midlife crisis. And we tend to make fun of it. You know, you buy a sports car or you go off to an ashram, something like that. But the truth is that while our dissonance might sometimes feel like a crisis, it's actually something much deeper and with much greater potential for transformation. Here I'm quoting Brene Brown. She says, it's an unraveling. It's a time when you feel a desperate pull to live the life you want to live, not the one you're supposed to live. When you feel challenged by the universe to let go of who you think you're supposed to be and embrace who you are. That's what Adam and Eve are doing when they leave the Garden of Eden and go out into the world to, to figure themselves out. That's what Abraham and Sarah are doing when they set off for the promised land at the age of 65 and 75 because they heard a voice asking them big questions. Our texts are filled with this idea because it turns out it's a universal experience. Since the beginning of people, people have felt called to clarify their values and to live authentically. That has always been true. But it might be truer right now than any other time in our lifetime. 
This past year, we've all lived through something deeply destabilizing. The pandemic changed, it changed a lot. It confined us to our homes. It separated us from the people we love. It shifted our working and our learning patterns. It, it turned grocery stores and restaurants into scary places to be avoided. It, it put screens in front of our faces all day long. Talk about seismic ripples. Compared with two years ago, we now work differently, play differently, communicate, study, date, shop, exercise, pray, and socialize differently. Some of us have lost jobs. Some have lost loved ones. All of us have had our security shaken. It would be shocking if we weren't asking ourselves big questions right now. Time Magazine printed an article a few months ago that's called Why the COVID-19 Pandemic Has Caused a Widespread Existential Crisis. They reported what I suspect a lot of us already know, that lots of people are rethinking their lives and their choices right now. In this article, Dr. Eleanor McCants Katz, who leads the U.S. Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, says that the, at the pandemic gives people a lot of time to review their lives and think about what life could look like moving forward, to really spend time taking an inventory of what their life is like currently and what they want it to be like. That's the very definition of cheshbon hanefesh, of our high holy day work of taking an accounting of the soul. A few weeks ago, I posted on Facebook asking this question, how are people changing their lives, changing their thinking during the pandemic? And I got some really amazing answers, some of them from some of you. People said, we are discussing how to limit our travel going forward, both to make a less hectic family life and to go easier on the climate. Someone else said, I've discovered how little I actually need. A third person said, that saying yes to opportunities with family, friends, travel, learning, etc., seems to have taken on increased urgency. People reported that they were prioritizing things other than work, they were spending more time outdoors, they were wearing less makeup, that the pandemic helped them to be aware of their privilege and to want to help others. My neighbor stopped me in the street after seeing this post to tell me that the pandemic had given him the courage to start his own business and he's waking up happier every morning than ever before. We are living in a moment that's asking us big questions. Questions about where we are and where we're going. About what we believe and how we want to be living our lives. It is asking us, Ayeka, where are you? The Hasidim tell a wonderful story that I know I've told in sermons before. There are only so many stories. But it bears repeating in light of the pandemic. It's about Rabbi Zusia of Hanipol, who lay on his deathbed weeping. His students asked him, Rebbe, why are you weeping about going into the next world? You've, you've been almost as wise as Moses and almost as kind as Abraham. Reb Zusia answered, I weep. Because when I pass from this world and when I appear before the heavenly tribunal, they're not going to ask me, Zeusia, why weren't you more like Moses? They're not going to ask me, Zeusia, why weren't you more like Abraham? They're going to ask me, Zeusia, why weren't you more like Zeusia? On these high holy days, in these late days of the COVID pandemic, it's worth asking, what does it mean to be more like myself? Now, that doesn't mean we all have to feel pressure to transform our lives. But it does mean it's okay to give ourselves permission 
to think deeply and critically about identity, about values, about choices. It means, it means that it's okay to take care of yourself. It's okay to rethink things. It's okay if, if next year doesn't look exactly the same as last year. After all, we're not the same after last year. It means it's okay to be unsure about some things right now, since the High Holy Days are a time of more questions than answers. Maybe above all, it means that right now, this Rosh Hashanah, this September, this new year, can be a time of renewal, a time to learn from ourselves and about ourselves, a time to begin to reconnect with the values, the activities, the causes, the people, the ideas that bring us fulfillment and goodness. It's a time to begin to reconnect with ourselves. Ayeka, where are you? The universe calls these words to us. May we answer with our words and our deeds. May we take out our roadmap, consider where we've been, and may we give ourselves the permission to start dreaming about where we are going. Amen. Hey there, Rabbi Micah Streifer here. I want to invite you to continue the conversation in our new Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and search 7-Minute Torah Listen and Discuss. Then you can join the group and join the conversation. See you there. Thanks for listening to 7-Minute Torah. If you enjoyed this program, please leave a review or a comment, and please pass it on to a friend. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week.